Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Don't be led by your heart. We're to be led by the Spirit. And when you're letting your heart lead, that might get you in a lot of trouble. It did David. David is all in his feelings right now. Look at verse 1 again. I told you we're going to take it apart. David said in his heart, I shall perish someday by Saul's hand. Come on, David, the dramatics. I'm going to die. Okay, listen. David is in this place of despair for a few reasons. Number one, listening to his heart. Number two, Overuse of the word I. Now, at that point, I'll say, I'll say, Amen. I feel like I'm going to perish. I can't go on. I feel like God's forgotten me. I feel like you don't care. I feel is one of our favorite phrases. You know, God is trying to teach David to set his sights a little higher than I. David will learn real quick. The only thing that's true is God's word, not your feelings. I'll wait while you clap your hands, not your feelings. Another thing, I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, in just a year, about a year and a half, Saul's going to be dead, killed by an Amalekite. David will begin to ascend to the throne in just about a year and a half. David is close to the culmination of a long training process. And we have to remember that as God, as I try to bring to the pulpit each Wednesday, it is God who is taking David through this trial. This is training for David. This is training. This is preparation time for David. Chapter 18, actually through chapter 21, David begins to go through this period of prep work by God as God always prepares the vessels he uses. And God doesn't use unprepared vessels. So everything that, God is, that David is going through is God's handiwork. It's difficult and hard because David, keep in mind, David hadn't read First and Second Samuel. Amen. So he doesn't know. Well, let's move forward just a little bit on verse one. David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me. Y'all looking at verse one. There's nothing better for me than to go speedily to the land of the Philistines. Now, somebody tell me, how does that make sense? Here's the rule. If you're going to make a bad decision, don't make it fast. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm just trying to help. I'm your pastor. I love you. 
If you're going to make a bad decision, don't make it fast. Listen, David was so discouraged, he decided to leave Israel and live among the idol-worshiping Philistines rather than trust God in the land of promise. So in other words, David is saying, I'm better off around the ungodly Philistines than to be around the people of God. I think we all agree the love of the Lord and the kindness of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord is better than that. David, i wait while you clap your hands there. And David is doubting that God even cares for him. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said this, to doubt the loving kindness of God is thought by some to be a very small sin. But it is my firm conviction that to doubt the kindness, the faithfulness, and the love of God is a very heinous offense. That's so true. David is in doubting castle. He's tired of trusting God for his deliverance. He says, God, you have forgotten me. God, where are you? You know, if we are honest, sometimes we get to that place, don't we? There are times when we get tired of waiting on God. I hate to raise it, but yeah. Any, any other one person? Honest, you in church. You get tired of waiting on God. You get weary. Listen, that's natural. I didn't say it was good. I said it's natural. It happens. But what's more important is what, when you, when you get to that place, is what you do with those thoughts in your heart. Notice what David did in verse 2. David packed up and moved to Gath, a Philistine city. Basically, David runs to the ungodly. Achish is the king of Gath, the king of the Philistines. Now, this is the second time that David has found himself in this city. Chapter 21, David leaves Nob or Nob and he goes to Gath. Now, you know the Philistines, if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, I know you know, the Philistines have been longtime enemies of Israel. These are the same guys that David cut 200 foreskins from. This is the city that Goliath came from, Gath. Remember in chapter 21, David is running from Saul and he gets to Gath. Look it up in your own time, chapter 21. David is running from Saul. He arrives in Gath. The people of Gath say, "Um, aren't you that guy with the number one hit single? Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Great song, man. Aren't you him? Yeah, you're him. And David started acting like a crazy man, drooling at the mouth, and he drooled his way out of town. (laughs) Chapter 21, David is in Gath because he is fearful. He's running. Stay with me. He's in Gath in chapter 21 because he's fearful and running. Here in chapter 27, David is in Gath because he's faithless. Faithless. This scenario is all too common. I told you when God's not doing things the way people think they should, it's interesting. They run right back to the world, don't they? Right back to the world for refuge. And I can't figure that out because I I don't know why. Why are you running back to the world when it's the world that you ran away from when you came to Christ. And what is it in the world that's so attractive now that you see that wasn't that attractive when you were in the world before you came to Christ? Don't ask me to say that again. What's so attractive back there? It's really interesting how people um, go through a trial And instead of running to the Lord, Larry, they run away from the Lord. 
instead of running to the Lord. You. They run away from the Lord. Instead of coming to church, they stop coming to church. When church is the place you need to be. If you're going through something, you need to be in church. Because this is where God's going. I'm going to wait while 10 people clap their hands. <laughs> church is the place where God's going to speak to you. Church is the place where God's going to have a word for you and you're going to get encouraged or somebody's going to see that you, you look like you've been hanging out in Dowling Castle and they're going to they're come up and go, hey, are you all right? Well, not really. You know, I just, you know, well, issues, situation. Well, let me pray for you. Church is going to be the place where people are going to lift you up and pray for you. Put it this way. I'll tell you this church. I can't speak for nobody else. I'll tell you this church. This is a no judgment zone. We love them. God judge them. You need to write that down. We love them. God judge them. Church is the place you need to be. Again, somebody once said, church is the best place to be, but the hardest place to get when you're going through a trial. Isn't that true? So David is running right back to the world. He's running right back to the enemy for refuge. People do strange things when they're depressed or discouraged. Listen, if there's one thing I could, if I could get the church to get a hold of, listen, discouragement and depression and despair is a tool of choice for the enemy. That's his go-to tool. In other words, if bitterness doesn't work, y'all ain't hearing me. If bitterness doesn't work, well, then uh, I'll try uh, envy. If envy doesn't work, well, then I'll try um, faithlessness. If that doesn't work, I'll try slothfulness. If that doesn't work, and all Satan and his little bag of tricks, he'd have reached in the bag to get all of his bag of tricks. If that doesn't work, he, discouragement is a surefire. The, uh, amen. Discouragement is a surefire. Once upon a time, the devil wanted to clear out some old tools, so he had a garage sale. And after he set up everything, a guy dropped by to see what he had, a long table full of tools, and each one had a price tag. At one end of the table was an instrument labeled anger, $250. Next to it was a curved tool labeled sloth, $380. The next man looked around and found criticism, $500. Jealousy, $630. The man saw a beat-up tool with a price tag of $12,000. Curious, the man asked, why would he offer a worn out piece of junk for such an exorbitant price? The devil said it was expensive because he used it so much. Oh, what is it? The man asked. The devil said, you got it. Discouragement. It always works when nothing else will. And that is the truth. I know what I'm talking about. You're celebrating 20 years. That's lovely. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. God's done an awesome thing. But I cannot tell you. I can't. 
I cannot tell you the hills, the battles, the bullets, the knives, the gossip, the backbiting, the tearing down from within, the division and the lack of unity and deceitfulness and discouragement that has come along this path of 20 years. You are not looking at the same Rodney that showed up here in 1995. I ain't talking about the fact because I don't have hair now either. (laughs) Amen. That's a given. Because y'all know when I get to heaven, y'all know I'm getting my afro. Because I, I believe the word. He say, ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Seek and you shall find. I'll be in heaven. Lord, you got my, got my fro? I'm seeking my fro. With a pick in the back. <laughs> old school, baby, old school. <laughs> it's not been easy 20 years has not been easy good lord it has not been easy discouragement every week no one of his tools worn out every week there's always something something Satan always sends something now I'm so used to it I like expect it now I expect spiritual warfare on Tuesday night into Wednesday I expect spiritual warfare on Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning. I expect it. So now I can identify it, which actually makes it easier. Because now I just go, you know what? That's spiritual warfare. I need to leave that alone. Or turn off your cell phone and don't turn it on. Because somebody trying to blow you up on text. And don't get me all going. I got to come to your house and carry it on. I mean, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all like, <laughs> That's a violent pastor. <laughs> Just kidding. It's expected now. Discouragement. David is discouraged. And so he takes his men. Look at verse 3. He takes his men, his wives, and he goes to Gath, and he stayed with Achish. Now, did you get this? The king allowed David to stay with him. Keep in mind, all the Philistine countries know Saul and David are enemies. Word had spread. Remember Abigail and Nabal in chapter 25, right around verse 10? Abigail and Nabal knew about it as far as the Sinai Peninsula. So everyone knew. Now understand, at this point, David is battle-hardened. David has 600 trained men who are battle hardened. At this point, David is a warrior, a hero, a soldier. King Achish knows that. He sees David as an opportunity and an advantage. Achish is thinking, the next time I have a battle with the Israelites, David knows their territory. He knows their battle plans. He knows the designs, their designs. I want you to notice, look at verse 19 in chapter 26. Go look at 19. Go to chapter 26 and look at verse 19. Because you know chapter and verse is not inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit, right? So it all reads as one, you know, contiguous letter. 
So it all just keeps going. So look at uh, verse uh, 19 in chapter 26. David was speaking to Saul and he said, if I send, tell me and I'll offer sacrifice. But if some private first class enlisted is stirring you up against me, realize they're driving me from my land, from my inheritance. That means that David wouldn't be able to take part in worship and he'd be forced to worship false gods. But notice, David is willingly now leaving Israel and going to the land of idols. Why? Because he's discouraged. He's depressed. He's defeated. He's bummed out. You know, people come to me and they say, Pastor Ronnie, you know, I really feel depressed. I really, really feel depressed. What do I do? And I ask them, do you feel suicidal? They say, no. I say, do you want to hurt yourself? They say, no. I say, okay, well then be depressed. Is that it? Yeah. Be depressed. That's all the counsel you have? Yeah. Are you a pastor? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have some words of wisdom? No. No, I really don't. Not really. Be depressed. You know, there's no prohibition in the word of God about being depressed. Sometimes God, listen, sometimes God allows us to go to that place where the colors fade and the hues are gray. And he allows it because many times you won't sit down long enough so he can speak to you. And so he allows it so he can get your attention. So be depressed. It really isn't that bad. If you spend that time with God, God, what are you trying to say to me? God, what do you want to say? God uses depression, I'm confident, for his glory. Because he says to the Christian, lo, I am with you always. So even in your depression, God is there. Somebody get glad about that and clap your hands, would you? Lo, I'm with you always. Look at verse 4. Someone told Saul, David went to Gath and he, I don't know where the time goes on Wednesday night. I do not know. Look at verse four. Someone told Saul, David went to Gath and he sought him no more. David mission accomplished. Saul stopped chasing him, but watch this. David, now you're out of the will of God. David, now you're in a place of compromise. David, now things are going to be even worse because now we have to submit to the Philistines and they are hard and brutal and they don't care about you. God punishes through love. Man punishes through brutality and hatred. Don't you teach your kids that? If you don't, you should. Look, Daddy going to spank you because daddy love you. And daddy know what you're doing is going to get you hurt. Now, maybe I, I look, I'm from Philadelphia, so this is what we have to say. Daddy love you. That's why I have to whoop you. Some kids say, well, can you love me a little less? <laughs> no. But I love you 
Let me tell you something. You get out there on that street and you disobey the law, they're not going to chastise you in love. They're going to put a bullet in your back or they're going to arrest you and throw you into prison and treat you brutally. See, the world doesn't love you. I love you. God says, I love you. And that's why I am chastising you. That's why I want to punish you because I love you. Stay here in my will. Even if it's tough in my will. Stay here. Because we want to move. We want to move quick. And get out of the will of God. David is resting and now not running. And I'm sure that he feels good. But you know, he is out of the will of God. David says to King Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, look at verse 5. If I have found favor in your eyes, look at verse 5. If I have found favor in your eyes, give me a place in the country. Why should I live in the royal city with you? David says, this is the royal city. This is the city of the kings. I'm just a vagabond, a beggar, a wanderer. David said, put me out in the country. Achish said, okay. You can have Ziklag, 23 miles southwest from Gath, on the border by Judah. Ziklag had been taken by the Philistines, and it was a walled city. Now, real quick, saints, listen. Walled cities in the Bible are very important, and you need to know this. Christianity Bible Stuff 101. Walled cities are important in the Bible. Walls in the Bible represent three things. Got your pen? Represent three things. Number one, God's salvation. Walls represent God's salvation. Number two, walls represent protection from the enemy. And number three, walls represent separation from the world. God's salvation, protection from the enemy, and separation from the world. Very important in the Bible. In the ancient world, a city without walls was a city that was open and vulnerable to the enemy. A city without walls had no defense and no protection. Nothing valuable could be kept in a city without walls. People living in an unwalled city lived in constant fear. Why? Because they never knew when they might get attacked and brutalized. And that's why Nehemiah, remember, Bible students, remember, Nehemiah wept. When he heard the walls were torn down. Why? Because it meant that the people were open to the enemy. Look at verse 7. Achish gave David Ziklag, a walled city, and David stayed 16 months. David is in a walled city with 600 troops, wives, and kids. And this is the first time, check this out. This is the first time in years that David and his men aren't running. They're not in the wilderness having to, you know, build a bonfire or hunt for food. The ladies probably thought this is awesome. We get a real refrigerator. <laughs> they can have some semblance of life now. The people can talk at a normal tone. Keep in mind, keep the scene, stay with me. When you're hiding and trying to protect, because now all these people are gathering to David. Now they're, they're his responsibility. So when you're hiding and you're trying to protect everybody, because you know Saul has 3,000 special forces that will come down on you in a heartbeat. So any distractions or anything that might even look kind of strange, David will probably say to all the families, shh, shh, quiet, shh. Because he's trying to protect them and keep them safe. Well, now they don't have to do that anymore. Now the kids can use their inside voice. Outside or vice versa. They can be normal now. 
Everything seemed great. But listen, God never intended them to have this. They're out of the will of God. David made his decision to be in Ziklag because of a lack of trust in God. And now David has infected his people by living among the ungodly. Yeah, I said infected his people by living among the ungodly and mixing the people of God with the people of the world. You know, I've told you in the past, God hates mixture. Mixture? Yep. God hates mixture. Like black people and white people? Nope. Man, y'all said that awfully quick. (laughs) Good job. No, no, no. God hates mixture of believers and non-believers. Those who don't know God and those who are idol worshipers. And now David has infected his people with mixture. He's not in the will of God. And he has this sense of false security. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, chapter 30, just pull over there really quickly. Chapter 30 in verse 1 and 2, real quick. Chapter 30, verse 1 and 2, David has a false security. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.